Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. How is everybody today? It is a pleasure to be with you here this morning. I've had the blessing of speaking to the youth of this congregation this weekend, um, and it's, it's really been a treasured time for me. Um, for those of you who don't know, this one weekend that we have for your youth, uh, we got to walk through God's plan of overcoming fear by our faith and the freedom that we have in Christ. And all of that culminated last night with nine of your youth giving their life to Christ. Amen. Right? And we have something special planned for them. I'm sure you all saw the baptistry out there where they get to finally immerse themselves into the finished work of the cross. Um, but today I want to focus on, now we're a Christian, what's next? And I have some good news for you. Jesus is coming back. Amen? Jesus is coming back. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, and get to see what we can expect for Jesus' return. Starting in verse 13, it says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I don't know about you guys, but I often find myself distracted in this life, whether I'm driving or working or going to schools or with my wife and my kids, but every once in a while I'll catch a glimpse of the skyline and I'll see a beautiful sunrise or a sunset or even just a cloudy day and I find myself thinking, what will it be like when God cracks open that sky and comes for us? Do y'all ever dwell on that? Do you ever daydream about it? I can't imagine how great it's gonna be, but inside me I long for it and I'm sure you do too. And so picture that as you look up into the sky, what is it going to be like when God opens it up and comes to get us? Man, what a day. And so we carry on and it says, now brothers and sisters, about the time and dates, we don't need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Amen. Amen. You see, for me and you, that's going to be a glorious day. But for those who are not in Christ, I can't imagine the terror that a day like that would bring. 
But I do know, as it says, a thief in the night, if I was expecting a thief to come to my house, I would prepare myself. I would arm myself. I would call everyone I know, hey, come protect my house with me. The thief is coming tonight. I'm sure you would do the same. But we don't know when that day is coming. It says it will come like labor pains on a pregnant woman. I want you to picture for yourself, a lot of you have probably already had kids. If you haven't, picture what it would be like if you were pregnant or if your wife was pregnant. Having two kids myself, when my wife became pregnant, we prepared for that. If you know a baby is coming into this world, you start to make some changes to your life. You go out, you buy a crib, you buy a car seat, right? You buy some clothes, you buy some diapers, not enough diapers. But you begin to prepare yourself for this baby coming into the world. And if you knew that baby was coming, they may give you a due date. But whether you prepared or not, at the end of roughly nine months, that baby's coming, right? And there's nothing you can do to stop it. When that labor pain strikes, when those, when those uh, contractions begin and that baby comes, the, the mom can't say, oh, wait, I wasn't ready. Let's, let's do it next week. Ready or not, here that baby comes, right? And so us as Christians, we should know and be expectant that that day of that baby coming is coming. So if we know that the Lord is going to be returning, how should we then be living? Let's carry on with our scripture It says, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are already doing. I think about this a lot when I finally get to meet the Lord. I'm not afraid to die at this point in my life because I know when I die, I will finally meet the God that I've been serving my whole life, and that excites me. But while I'm still here, oh, man, I still struggle with sin. Anybody relate to that? Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but... There's just days where we just still go back to our filth, right? We still struggle with maybe saying those lies or or looking at something that's not ours or taking something that's not ours or doing something we shouldn't do. And so I think to myself a lot about the Lord coming again. And I, I try to envision what will I be doing when he comes? Can you imagine to yourself The Lord cracks the sky, and you're in your room with the lights off watching porn. Can you imagine to yourself, the Lord comes and you're preaching to a friend about the hope of Jesus? Oh, man, how sweet would that be, 
right? And we don't know when it's coming, but yet we have this battle within ourselves that I know I'm saved, and yet I'm still struggling with these sins in my life. I have some good news for you. It's okay. I do too. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 7. We're going to talk about this struggle we still have against sin. Romans 7, starting in verse 14. It says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that God's law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, in my flesh, I am a slave to the law of sin. When Adam and Eve took of that fruit and we were separated from God, Every one of us was cursed, cursed with this flesh that is sinful. And to the day you die, you will be battling that sinful nature within you. Paul, who was caught up to the third heaven, said he still struggled with it, right? And so there's this war in our minds every day, choosing between good and evil, right and wrong, the conscience that the Holy Spirit gives us to lead us into good things, and the guilt we feel and the conviction we feel to turn away from bad things. And so this law in your mind that you're battling, waging war against each other, you have these two dogs inside of you that are constantly fighting. Good and evil. You want to do what's right, but you can't carry it out. You don't want to do what's wrong, but man, we keep doing it, right? Sound like any of you? It sounds like me. But what we have is this war in our mind, these two dogs that are fighting over each other, and the answer to how we get out of these bad things and into the good things is the choice we make to discipline ourselves. These two dogs inside of you, the one that's going to win is the dog you are feeding because the dog you feed is going to grow and become stronger. And so if we are constantly feeding ourselves on the sin of this world, you're going to feel like you can't break those addictions. You're going to feel like you can't get out of those sins. 
But if you are feeding yourself with the word, you are feeding yourself with prayer, you're feeding yourself with worship, you're feeding yourself with community that encourages you, you're feeding yourself with accountability with your brothers and sisters, all of a sudden it gets a little bit easier. It never goes away, but you become disciplined enough to overcome those temptations. I have this analogy, for those of you who don't know, I work for a ministry called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so most of the time when I'm speaking, I'm talking to athletes. And so I relate a lot of things to sports or exercise or working out. And so I explained to them one time, does anybody in here have uh, an experience lifting weights? I'm sure a lot of you have done squats before. Do y'all remember the first time you lifted weights and did squats? You probably weren't very strong. And the next day, you probably had a hard time sitting down. You remember how sore your legs would be? If you haven't worked out, do it, and you'll be terrified tomorrow to sit down on the toilet, I promise you. Okay, half the time you have to fall onto it because your legs are so sore. But what it is is when you do this exercise, your body reacts to it, and it's hard, and you don't want to do it. But you have this coach as an athlete that tells you, hey, guess what? Tomorrow we're going to wake up, and we're going to do it again. And over time, it doesn't get any easier believe it or not. But what happens is it gets better. All of a sudden, you're not squatting 135 pounds, you're squatting 200 pounds and 300 pounds and 400 pounds. And all of a sudden, that soreness the next day is just a little bit, and you can rub it out, and you're good. And so it's still something that maybe you don't want to do, but you get better at making the choice, disciplining yourself to do it because you've done it over and over and over again. So if you find yourself struggling with sin in your life and you want to eliminate those things, start disciplining yourself in a way that will grow. And so we still have this sinful nature. We still have this heart that wants to do what is right, that knows God's law is good. And so what we have as an answer to that thing is the blood of Jesus. Turn with me to the chapter before, Romans chapter 6. Starting in verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. The Bible tells us that when we finally get to meet our creator, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And for a long time, I've had a hard time believing that to be true because no part of me is good. No part of me is a servant. 
No part of me has done well. And as faithful as I think I might be, no part of me is truly faithful. But I have this hope that we just read that all of that sin in me that makes me feel that way is dead and gone away with. When I was united with Christ in baptism, my sins were washed away. And you flip forward at the end of that chapter 7 we read into Romans 8, verse 1, my favorite verse in the whole Bible. When you've been put into Christ, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. There's no condemnation for us that are in Christ. So all of that sin, all of that doubt, all of that struggle you have, God doesn't see it. When he looks at you, he sees the holy, righteous, perfect work of the cross. And now when I hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, it's not because I have done well or have been faithful or have served. It's because he did it for me. And so I, I think again of how I want to be found when God comes back, when the sky cracks open and Jesus returns. How should we be living? I want to be found faithful. Church, we need to be found faithful. In all that we're doing, we need to be found faithful. And if we know that these sins that we struggle with are no longer held against us, we know that our job as an image bearer of Christ is to glorify him in all that we do, what exactly is it that God wants from us now? If we're not held to these Ten Commandments, if we don't have to keep making atoning sacrifices, if it's not based off of the works of our life, what is it that God expects of us? Have any of you ever wondered, what is God's will for my life? The answer is right here in the text. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians, like we were reading of Jesus coming back. Chapter 5, starting in verse 16. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Church, do you want to know what God wants? He wants that right there. That's his will for you. Rejoice always. Any of you know joyful people? Man, isn't it infectious to be around someone who's always in a good mood? who the, the hard times of this life don't touch them, that's always rejoicing and singing and worshiping and, and constantly encouraging others. God wants you to be that way so that you are a light that draws others into him. Because when they ask you, why are you always so joyful? Let me tell you about what Jesus did for me. What do I have to be worried about, right? Pray without ceasing. Pray continually. God wants a relationship with us. And if you're not constantly speaking with people, you're not going to get closer to them. If we're not constantly taking the time to have a relationship with God, listening to his word when we read and praying to him, that's a conversation between the two of us. God wants you to pray without ceasing, not that you're always on your knees in your room not doing living life, but that every thought you have is in constant communication with him, holding every thought captive to the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray without ceasing so that you always have a relationship with God. And lastly, give thanks in all circumstances. 
with what we just read, don't we have something to be thankful for? The fact that those sins are not held against us, the fact that we have this hope for eternal life, the fact that we don't have to mourn when we lose a loved one. And if you're constantly in a heart uh, posture of thanksgiving, aren't you going to think fondly of God? He wants you to be thankful that you don't have to live under this yoke of slavery to sin any longer. He wants you to be thankful that that veil was torn and you can come into the Holy of Holies and approach the thorn, pardon me, the throne of the Lord Most High, unashamed, free from sin. And when God looks at you, he no longer sees any of those things, but he sees the Holy Son of God. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.